This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com and your host for a show that heralds in a transformation of Aston Villa's season. Here to discuss that and much more, Mr. Chris Bird, Mr. Phil Shaw, welcome. Hello. Good evening, how are you? We're on the march, bud. That's what's happening. We are on the march. We're on the march. Strap yourselves in. Strap <laughs> yourselves in. It, we're going into warp speed. If you're going to get in the way of us, you better sack your manager because that's the only thing that's, that's the only <laughs> inevitability about trying to stop us. You're going to lose managers. We, we did hint that if we beat Chelsea that Potter we did think would, we would. Didn't we, did we not? would be in uh, trouble. And he's gone, and Leicester shut the pants and sacked Rogers before we even uh, turned up at uh, the King Power. And we mm. didn't even have to play Tottenham. Steve Cooper must be shitting himself. <laughs> <laughs> Cooper's next, finally. So, uh, how are you, gentlemen? I mean, obviously, well. obviously, you're all giddy on life. <laughs> High on life, David. You, you said you bumped into old um, Emmy Martinez in the park. I did bump uh, into Mr. Martinez walking. Uh, Walking around Sutton Park with his kids. Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning? Yep, Sunday afternoon, stroll in the sunshine. He was full of beans, as always. What was your interaction with him? His little lad was running around with his villa shirt with daddy on the back just to give it away who his dad was. The ball went my way, of course, chipped it up and rolled it back and said, oh, well played yesterday. And he said, oh yeah, mate, buzzing. Very pleased with himself. All right, mate. <laughs> in that strange, hybrid, brummy South American accent he's rocking at the moment. So what you're trying to tell us is he's a next door neighbour of yours. Bud Mansion. I- I can't, I'm, not, I, I'm saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he does his stint in the neighbourhood watch. <laughs> you share a driveway, you got semi-detached house next to uh, Martinez, is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> we share an attack dog. Oh dear. Uh, Phil Shaw, how are you? Oh, it's it's not good over here in the, the dark ages. Why? Tell me more. We, we <laughs> always like little updates on the moniker of the UK. Monaco has just stepped back into like the 1940s or something. My wife managed to get scarlet fever. I thought that was a disease that had been eradicated. It was something you heard about when you were young. You. No, I'm fine. <laughs> my, immune, my immune system's tip top. <laughs> I, I didn't really get into it, but there's some massive advantage that people from the north of Ireland will get because of this 
new deal is it on duty free or something i haven't checked but this was always my this was always my plan this was to realize the dream of monaco charge a tariff for everything going one way or another just live off the land no i just i just saw a headline random headline in a, in a newspaper or online where where they said there was an actual advantage of living in northern ireland uh, which i thought you might be excited but i obviously wasn't excited enough to read uh-huh. what the story was but in, for, in 40 years i haven't found an advantage of living here but <laughs> well i told you before we started the show i said why haven't you moved <laughs> I did say that it seems to be a lot of people, they stay where they're born and they just accept their lot in life. So I'm saying that and I've I've moved to Birmingham twice in my life, so I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a poor judge of, well, I've, been, I've lived in some good places, but yeah, why did I end up here? Obviously, just to get myself nestled in for Villa's glory years. Come to see the villa, you've only come <laughs> to see the villa as they sing. <laughs> exactly. Or as Stamford Bridge after the game, you've seen the villa, now fuck off home. Right, coming up in the show, we will uh, obviously get into this Chelsea game. But first, we'll get into the villa news, also have the three points, and check out what's been happening in the world of media muppetry before having a little uh, media nugget, before ending with Emery's clipboard. Right, what news shall we uh, start off with? Let's have a look at the sun, shall we? Love Island's Mara Higgins fights back tears after tense row with pals. Should we go with that? That really is the sharp end of the uh, stick in it. She's from your neck of the woods, isn't she, Phil? I've got no idea who that is. Or Higgins, she's Irish. Bud's just outed himself there, he knows. (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not, I know one of her friends, that's why I know she is. God, it runs deep, his Love Island obsession. Frankie Bridges, sexiest looks as she goes braless and wears see-through gant. No idea who who she is. Uh, Oh, shall we have the villain news? Please, villain news. Yeah, please, God. Got Mr. Maddie Cash didn't make the Chelsea trip. We didn't need him anyway. Seems to be a calf injury that he picked up from uh, Poland's loss against the Czechs in uh, international break. Looks like he's going to be missing about three weeks there. So pretty much most of April. Thanks, Cash. When we needed uh, a bigger squad, we you know seven games were six left, but uh, Coutinho is still out. I think he's close to rejoining the group, though. If you're reading between the lines of what Emery was saying. So perhaps back for Newcastle. Speaking of the international break, McGinn uh, scored, getting practice in for what was to come. Also, Duran did as well. Great finish that was. Yeah, good bonus for her for Villa there because obviously he's not getting bigger game time, but you need uh, you know if he's if he's starting f- for Colombia and actually scoring, then that's that, you know that's good all round for everybody really. Uh, while Ramsey scored uh, and captained the Eng- England under twenty ones. Meanwhile, Villa under twenty ones beat Norwich to move up to fourth place. And they're in the playoffs, aren't they now? Yeah. I think the 18s aren't they in the League Cup final as well? They've had a little, they've had a good run recently. They played Tottenham at Villa Park in May in the League Cup final. Yeah, Villa under 21s very good away from home, best in their under 21 league. Just not very good at home. That's what's that's what's held them back this season. It's like the first team. They've won. Yeah, it is actually. It's the Villa engine. Very good away <laughs> from home. <laughs> not so great at home. Villa under 21s have won six of their nine games away from home drawing one meanwhile the women suffered a rare defeat although against uh, a very good Chelsea team who eventually went on to win 3-0 
which is a dress rehearsal for the FA Cup semi-final. So hopefully, uh, a couple of Villa ladies, yeah, Villa ladies will do better there. Although uh, tough call. It's a shame it's not at Villa Park, that one. That's all I'm going to say there. Right, moving on to the three points. The FA have released the fees paid to agents involving transfers in the last two windows that cover the 2022-23 season. Aston Villa paid, I mean, it's just in isolation. It's an astonishing figure. 15.6 million across two windows. Why are we doing this podcast? Why aren't we agents? Yes, I'm really could, thinking could be, that, to be honest. He could be Amy's new agent. Yeah, he should have tapped him up, but yeah, he, he said him not. Him <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. But Villa were actually, was it seventh overall in that period? Now, here's an interesting fact. I mean, you expect Manchester City to be top, but you expect Chelsea to be up there somewhere. Manchester City are top, then it's Chelsea. But you look at Forrest, who bought, was it 300 players? I, can't mm-hmm. remember, I lost count. And they are, they're actually bottom in terms of uh, agents' fees, 4.4 million, considering they bought literally a whole squad. A lot of players, yeah. What is their secret? For getting, for, do they just cut out the, the agents? They cut out the middlemen? <laughs> you maybe wonder if certain agents, they may have worked with one agent on a number of deals. Yeah. So we will give you X for all these. Yeah, give us all you've got. Yeah, what I don't like about this is that kind of in the normalization of it where you have people on social media saying, oh, yeah, that's about right, you know, considering we bought Kamara and Carlos, and you think, well, well, yeah, yeah, what do you mean? Yeah, that's about right, as if 15.6 million is like nothing. It's, it's funny how it isn't just so normalized that people... How many John McGinn's is that? In terms of there's meant to be a cost of living crisis and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's, it's in its own bubble, isn't there? Yeah. Well, we'll say that it costs about a million to run the women's team. That would be 15 and a half women's teams that would run. Yeah, it costs about 800,000 to run that. It's I, A lot of this is money that there's, there's so much money in football that doesn't need to be spent. It's the same in any big industry, uh, big, you know, like film industry or music industry. If, if you had a proper troubleshooter in there to uh, tighten up the finances, they would shave off so much. Don't shave off anymore, David. <laughs> shave off so much uh, chaff. But uh, anyway, it is what it is, as they say. Point number two, uh, looking ahead to the uh, 2026 World Cup, the LA Ram Stadium. Yeah, Sophie. Yeah. Sophie Stadium, which was muted as you know one of the potential uh, venues, is currently too narrow. Is that that's just the pitch, or is that the whole stadium? Yeah, it's the it's the fields, as they say. So it's the pitch. But it's quite, it's quite an amount that they would have to widen it by. According to the Times, it's 63 feet, and they would have to take out some seating to, to make it that wide, which would take it under FIFA's recommended seating arrangements for the final, because they said nothing. They don't want anything to host the World Cup final that's less than 80,000 seats, so that would bring it down to less than 70,000 if they, if they widened it any further. Oh, so it's a real catch-22. Mm-hmm. Mm. So potentially no final in LA anyway. Yeah. All I could think of was a, a narrow pitch like that there. That must be where Steven Gerrard learned his, his football tactics. <laughs> yeah. Right, uh, point number three, the last sovereign country on earth without a football team are trying to get one recognised by uh, FIFA. Is the Mi- mighty Marshall Islands? Is this sponsored by Northern Ireland, just so they've, they've got a team they can actually beat? Oh no, I was I actually, I was thinking this is sponsored <laughs> by Harry Kane, so we can start pad a bit more. <laughs> Yeah, I think it is, isn't it? It's got Harry Harry Kane's fingerprints behind the scenes all over this, hasn't it? He wants to just pull away in front. 
If anybody's wondering what we're talking about, Harry Kane, England top scorer, all that kind of stuff. I, I did the maths on it. I broke down and he'd literally scored a third of his goals against four countries. I think one of them was San Marino. San Marino. Was one of them was Azerbaijan. Another one was Panama. And the other one, probably like Gibraltar or something. So real stat padding going on there. So the Marshall Islands want to get in on the action. <laughs> Where is the Marshall Islands for anybody who doesn't know? It's off the coast of the USA. They used to belong to the USA. Is it like where they used to have mis- missile bases Yes, or something? they still actually do have a US air base on it. But All right, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but they, um, they established their own constitution in 1979. But um, I think Harry Kane's, unless he carries on for England for another few years, I think they're, they're going to run out of time to play him because they've only just got a, a head of marketing and a football technical director who's actually from the UK called Lloyd Owers. There we go then. If we, if we don't become football agents, we can go and run the Marshall Islands. Yeah, yeah. but they've signed a kit deal with um, Forest Green's kit maker. So, All right. And there's a go, GoFundMe as well, because you know the way money money talks when it comes to FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they've set up a GoFundMe page to help basically pay for all of this. That's where Harry Kane's wages are going. Uh. All right, before we go on... I got contacted in the international break by the BBC, actually, wanting me to potentially appear on a report they were doing on the cost of football. And uh, this recent, I think recent reports of the Premier League were going to clamp down on illegal streams and people watching football. So this is basically a segue into the sponsor of this show, which uh, I've actually been using the last three years. And we always said we'd try to bring people useful sponsors and uh, NordVPN have uh, offered to sponsor the show the next couple of weeks. If you don't know what a VPN is, it's a layer of security on your uh, electronic devices where you can actually change your IP address so you can appear to be basically operating from anywhere in the world, which gives you a level of security from people kind of snooping in and stealing your data. It's especially useful if you're on public Wi-Fi networks, for example, because you can actually have it on your phone. On NordVPN, you can have it on six devices. I have it on my phone, a couple of computers and the TV as well. Anybody who has a fire stick and watches shows magically, if you know what I mean, should be using a VPN as well. And I've spoken to a couple of people recently. I just assume that people use VPNs to watch streams like of football. If if you're not, you're just asking for a knock on the door from the Premier League. But also very useful. You know, I'm not judging, but if you're uh, into porn or whatever, you should be really doing that for a VPN as well. You could have just used the example of like, m- make sure that when you're booking a flight that companies can't track you and put the price up with trackers and things like that. But no, no you, you had to lower the tone, didn't you? Sorry, sorry, yes. Yeah, they do that if you don't know that. If you don't book your flight then and go back later to book it, they normally um, the price is up. But if you use a VPN and just change your address or where you're from, I mean, the way it's set up, you get a map of the world and then there's dots on different countries. You just click on the dot and that's where it sets your VPN. That's where it sets your computer or your phone's address. So that's one way around price hikes. It's just the first subscription I got because I just thought I'm not paying, you know, loads of subscription rates. Because, for example, you could Canada or America, you can buy one package and get access to every Premier League game. So uh, VPN allows you to pose as a Canadian or American and get access to that. I remember Villarreal when Villa played them. And if you didn't go to Villa Park and you wanted to see the game, you couldn't access it anyway. The The only way you could do it was to use a VPN, make out that you're in Spain, and then you got access to a free stream of it. 
So that shows you, it's like a Swiss army knife in terms of security and also uh, access. Our sponsors, NordVPN, are doing a special offer where you get four months free. It all works out like over 60% off for like a two-year package. When I joined them, they had a three-year package. So an extra four months is, is kind of close to that. Yeah, I got a multi, multi-year deal as well. So like pay once and then forget about it. You know, I wouldn't advise you to just go straight up and just go month to month. Just go multi-years and then it works out for like a price of a coffee a month. Increasingly, our lives are online and your IP address is basically where you live. So all these people tracking you, such social media companies, etc., all know where you live. But with a VPN, then you can change that and uh, have a bit more privacy. For me, that's also it's mainly the access and uh, the security that it does provide but if you've never heard of VPNs, you you really should uh, look into that. But if you know and you want to uh, take advantage of this huge savings, it's over 60% off, plus you get those four extra months, go to www.nordvpn.com. That's N-O-R-D-V-P-N.com slash moms, M-O-M-S. And I'll put the link in the show notes and also on the social media as well. Thank you very much. And now, ladies and gentlemen, only our second win in 20 odd years against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. And that previous win was a complete anomaly because it was Alex McLeish with Stephen Island. Uh, but there was a, we had a funny feeling. I, I didn't want to come out on something for the weekend to the win. Bud went for it. Yeah. God is just rewards. I mean, I did push the narrative that this was a, there was a real potential to transform our season here before we'd be chugging along saying, well, you know, top half finish, all well and good. That will do. The main thing has been about developing this team, educating this team in the ways of the Emery for next season. And with a clean slate, let's see where we can actually finish. Let's see where we're going to end up because, you know, we were looking going into this game, we're looking at our away form. It's the third best in the league since Emery has been at the helm. And overall, we've had the sixth best record in the Premier League, albeit Brighton in seventh had like a game in hand on us. So you just think, I'd like to see that from ground zero, fresh start and see where we go. But now... We, you looked at that Chelsea game, you said, well, if we're bold enough, if we could actually pull this off, then suddenly we leapfrog them. Likelihood we could leapfrog Fulham uh, in the same weekend. And we're in the top half, but how many points are we away from sixth? Deux points. Exactly. Two points off sixth place. Now, it's game on, isn't it? It has to be. Certain teams have got games in hand, whatever. Regardless, you look at the table now, you look at how many games left, there's still enough. It's game on. We're in the European race now, people. It's official. And Chelsea play Liverpool in midweek. Ooh. Mm. So you can do further damage. It's almost like the season started afresh. It's almost like it's been yeah. reset. Off we go. Now, yes, I would I would like to uh, have a bit more headroom and where we could finish, but I think realistically, I think sixth, it's on. Uh, I mean, Liverpool may have something to say about that, for sure. They're obviously the main threat. I mean, I think from, from what Emery had said after the game, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but he sort of said, well, Europe isn't the goal, but why not just calibrate every week as it becomes more possible? Just keep winning, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that 
kind of cautious approach in terms of because we have got a tricky end of season. End of season is uh, difficult, isn't it? It, it gets tricky against teams that obviously have th- things to play for as well. But my take, I mean, before we get into this game, is I would finish sixth or probably eighth, but I don't really want seventh. Is if that is the way for conference, I don't really don't want that conferency tim pot version next season because i want a clean slate to go for the league but if we're in the uefa cup then fair dinkum you know beggars can't be choosers from where we've been the last uh, decade or so and we've got a manager who uh, knows a thing or two about lifting uh, the europa league so i think it will be sixth won't it that would be the uh, the last it'll be fifth and sixth for the uefa cup place seventh for the conference i mean give give seventh to uh, brentford We'll take sixth or eighth. But any any thoughts on that before we get we go on? I, I just think it, it feels a little bit like that ten game winning run. It's just like let's just go on a bit of an adventure now. You know, we not we know we're not gonna be in trouble looking over our shoulder now. So it's like just go for it. You know, once you yeah. get the week ahead out of the way, you know, that the sort of as we said in something for the weekend, yeah, you had Chelsea, Leicester on the Tuesday, Forest, then you haven't got a lot of fixture congestion then. You're basically playing one game a week, I think there's another two game week, isn't it, with the Fulham one on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Other than that, you can keep everyone fresh. Just go one game at a time and just see where you're going to end up. You never know. No. Yeah. I think if it's one of those seasons where you know, Liverpool look weak, Chelsea look weak. I, I'm, I'm not that I'm not impressed, but I don't think we're any worse than any of the teams around us. So it's kind of like, why not? It doesn't necessarily have to have expectation, but why not have, I think you said before, through, sort of earlier in the season, David, about Chelsea, we thought they'd be better than they would be, but why not give yourself something to kind of grab onto and go for? Be yeah. it finishing with Chelsea, finishing with whoever, or thinking, well, why not chase down Liverpool? Liverpool have got a game in hand and they're one point ahead. Yeah. So they'll always be tricky because, you know, they've got gears that they can blaze through yeah. and, and just hit at a completely different level, as we saw, you know, what they did to Manchester United. Brentford, I think, is realistic. And Fulham. Well, Fulham are below us already, but uh, Brentford, we played the same amount of games. We're only two points behind and we play them. So yeah. Brighton, a bit more intriguing. I think they're... Perhaps they've got a overall. They've got a better team than Brentford, and they've also got two games in hand on us. But it's again, we play them at home at Villa Park, and we're only two points behind. So uh, we only need them to slip up once, really. And they have the distraction of an FA Cup semi final as well. Yeah, so it's intriguing. I just, I just wish. I mean, this, this is what stinks. I just wish Gerard had got a fucking win against Forest or Leeds or both of them in that game because give us another four or five points and we're still looking at top four <laughs> that is just two games under Gerard difference from being you know really looking at serious uh, placements here and that sh- that goes well for next season so it's it's not just about beating Chelsea and uh, opening up the season but hopefully that the reality the the pennies dropped for Villa fans across the board that potentially here we're on a new plateau and Actually, the horizon is quite wide to what we can actually do now, because there's a, there's a future. You know, there's, there's a there's a lot of fans who haven't really experienced what it is to be supporting a team that's at the you know in the top six and and battling away. Hopefully, it's dropped for the players as well that they think to themselves, "There's something we can achieve this season." Yeah, rather than just, "Oh, we've done it now, we can rest back." No, there's 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 a goal to aim for now. Yeah, I mean, you know, we could get into uh, of a discourse. I mean, one thing I don't like about the idea of Newcastle potentially finishing in the top four is uh, their power in the marketplace come the summer when they've got Champions League football to offer as well as unlimited wealth and that would have mean they'd have really fast-tracked in terms of Villa board Villa owners 
aren't that happy about what's happened with Newcastle's rise in terms of who owns them, put it that way, because they were planning how we're going to break the top six and then this other anomaly comes along and makes it more difficult. But let's get back to Chelsea. We've digressed a little. Good news is, although Cash was injured, we got Ashley Young to come in and perhaps this suited his uh, mentality more to have him starting anyway. So that was perhaps a blessing in disguise, that injury. Then uh, Kamara, who one local journalist had suggested would be out for five games of the remaining uh, amounts, uh, and he missed two games. So it was good to see him back, but we'd kind of survived without him, hadn't we, really? We we hadn't even noticed his uh, absence in those two games. The only decision with him coming back was Bailey dropping out, which I thought might be, he might be useful against Chelsea on the counter if he was playing to his best ability shall we say but if you're going to go toe-to-toe with Chelsea I think or any of the top six then I think the team that we put out was the one you expected you you have Ramsey and McGinn as those wider midfielders that gives you an actual bit more solidity in that midfield rather than having a uh, you know traditional wide almost like luxury player like Bailey that offers you something going forward, but very little in terms of the uh, the hustle and bustle of the midfield. And for, for me, I think with a player like him at Chelsea, it allows you to have a gear to come off the bench yeah. if the game opens up and you've, you've got, because you know, we don't have a lot of sort of straight line speed, do we? Watkins is lively. Ramsey can carry the ball, but I think having that weapon to bring off the bench at some point is always good to have in a game like Chelsea because you never quite know how the game's going to be. Luckily, we were never having to chase the game. Yeah, some people call him Weapon for another reason, but uh, <laughs> we, won't, we won't get into that. Ironically, it was a Kamara mistake, and it's not the first time we've seen this. I, I don't know, maybe Villa playing out the back have got into a, a bit of a rhythm now, and he's obviously been out of the cold for the last two games where they've actually played it well, and there's been some adjustments to how they've been playing, but he called for it, didn't he, from Martinez, and Chelsea had, had set up completely different in terms of they, you know, they they were pressing a lot more fiercer than Bournemouth or West Ham did in the previous games. Yeah, but if you noticed, Chelsea let Kamara have it like the first maybe two, three times in the match. They just didn't press him at all, so they gave him all their spaces. If they lull them in, they think, oh, they're not going to press me today. Yeah. And all of a sudden, when the time was right, they did press him, and it was Modric took it off him. And if it had made for Martinez, sort of like recreating his World Cup final save then it would have been, Chelsea would have took a lead yeah, it's, a, it's a very smart save that one because Kamara calls for it and runs with it but he, it's, it's like well surely you knew there was somebody standing on your shoulder it's, it's almost like you forgot there was somebody on him it just wasn't a very clever passage of play well it was one of those where you thought well uh, the last thing you want to do is give Chelsea early confidence considering how wishy-washy they've been or how inconsistent they've been so getting away with that was a big thing and then Watkins had a chance should score, shouldn't he, really? Yeah. The goalkeeper's yeah. positioning, if you see it, when you, when you sort of slow it down, the, the goalkeeper almost gives him the space to shoot at. You think, just you can just roll it past him. Yeah. Yeah, what I liked about that was the position McGinn took up because that's a, a move that he didn't, that three ball that McGinn played is when he's when he's out wide, sort of like wide right and he cuts inside, he has that left foot just to slide it through to Watkins. So I've seen that in the last you know couple of games he's used that pass. But I, I agree there, when, when Watkins got the ball, I thought to myself, oh, he's, he's going to score. I, I was, you know, was he confident seemed, he was going to score. He, he almost seems uh, on a game-to-game basis now. He has he seems to have two big chances. One he misses, one he scores. Yeah, well, if he keeps up that rate, that's... Yeah, I mean, it'll do, isn't it? It'll do. (laughs) Yeah, nobody's complaining. That's him in the double figures again. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. While Chelsea did press us, we, we saw very quickly why we need to be patient with this system and why it was e- it even stood up against Chelsea when Villa, uh, it was like the Harlem Globetrotters in terms of they were pinging it around. There were some little kind of loop balls as well and Chelsea couldn't get the ball off us. And at the end of about 20 odd passes... McGinn tees up a shot and it uh, cannons off the bar. If that goes in, they'd be replaying that on match of the day, saying, uh, you know, with a new Barcelona or something. Except they wouldn't because it's Villa. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was a great little passage and one of those that you know really deserved uh, deserved the goal. I thought it was a, it was a sort of a theme throughout that we didn't have we didn't venture forward a lot because you're not going to when you go to somewhere like Stamford Bridge. But every time we did, I thought we were going to cause them problems. And and that's partly I think A, we were good and yeah. sort of quite tidy in our approach. B, Chelsea, let's be honest, in both penalty areas were poor for all their quality on the field. Their finishing was crap and defensively I thought they were just there to be got at. They were all over the place, weren't they? I mean yeah, uh, yeah. And, that, and that's obviously where the first goal the first goal comes from, just atrocious defending. It's fucking awful. Yeah, I said to you uh uh, before the show, so it just reminded me of uh, like there was a old cliche that Alan Hansen always used to say on Match of the Day, where he'd say, you know, look at the back four here, and they'd draw a line across, and you know the staple of of a back four that was on the same wavelength is they held a line, so whether it's for offside, but also the shape to you know stop people playing through them. And I kept looking at that Chelsea back four or back three, and it was all over the shop. It was 
it was like a zigzag all the time. And I thought, whatever happens, we're as likely to score as they are. I mean, they had a hell of a lot of possession, 70% or so in the first half. And they were creating a hat full of chances, but no conviction in the finishing. It was all over I mean, the, the shot. the one when he goes, he goes, and that's a, you know, the, the build-up play for that one when he goes clean through was a cracking bit of play from them, to be fair. Yeah. Um, really, really good football. He goes through and you almost think he sort of takes the chance too early. He can almost take a little yeah. extra touch, wait for Martinez to commit and just roll it past him and he just fluffs his lines completely. I mean, I said in Match Club, if you know, if they had somebody like Drogba, I think they'd have won this game to be... Uh, well, they'd have got on top early, wouldn't they? Yeah. You know, they'd have buried the chance early in the game, they'd have taken the lead and they'd have probably not looked back. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's be uh, super yeah. honest here. Yeah, Villa were clinical and they weren't. So Watkins' goal... Lovely finish. Lovely finish, made up for his uh, earlier miss, and a lot of it, as re- as you just said, down to Chelsea. Just it was Cucurella, really. I mean, it's yeah, a cracking bit of play from Louise. Yeah, Louise is sort of com- com- plays his way out from the back, doesn't he, quite well? And he picks the pass anyway. The ball should be cleared in reality, but yeah, Cucurella just nips in in front of Kubali, I think it was. It was about to hit. Yeah, and it almost makes the chance easier for Watkins because if the ball's on the ground, of course, he's either going to have to pick his spot or go around the goalkeeper who could have probably stayed back, played yeah. the percentages. The keeper kind of comes out and then stops. He's like, oh shit, I'm, I mean, no man's land here on the penalty spot. And he's just sort of in that position, really, I would suggest that a top quality Premier League striker should score probably nine times out of 10 in that position. If you lift the ball over the goalie correctly, it's in. Yeah, And it was, it was you no know, clinical finish. And, um, and then perhaps a few minutes later, probably the key moment of the game because there was a frantic pace in terms of Chelsea were creating chances and Villa seemed to be a bit deep and also Villa were, were rushing their possession a little bit and, and had they've lost, lost a, even though they were 1-0 up they'd lost a kind of a foothold and they weren't really building a decent foundation to defend that lead in, in terms of the context of how the game was going to finish and then uh, Chilwell pops up with a goal and you're thinking well, that, there was an air of inevitability about that but then uh, referee fair play to him spots the push on Young Young made sure he spotted it yeah, he did <laughs> he did to be fair good lad but that's what he's in the team for yeah it gets ruled out without real any uh, var song and dance either. I mean, I mean, Chilwell was having a bit of a mare, wasn't he, with decision, decisions going against him? But yeah, yeah. he had a couple of penalty shouts, didn't he? And uh, I mean, he was definitely the main threat in the first half. He was. Yeah. yeah. And this, this is sort of like the, maybe the, the foreshadowing of Potter getting the boot at Chelsea because you, you've Chilwell getting so much space down the left. You'd think you'd naturally have Reese James on the right to complement them, but no, he put Reese James into one of those centre back positions and put Loftus Cheek out, out wide. I think he, he tried to call them it's a, a lateral. Bizarre, bizarre yeah. decision, that. In his interview, he called them a lateral, which I had the Google and it was basically just a fancy name for a wing back. Because I would have had James against Moreno all, all day because Moreno's good going forward, but at the, he's had a couple of iffy games where it's been yin and yang in terms of really good past the uh, halfway line can be got at. As we saw in that West Ham game, was it Bowen gave him a bit of a torrid time. So if you had James at him, that, was the, that would be the logical play, surely. I mean, it Potter probably deserved to go just based on that. But the significance of that was it allowed us to get to half time and it allowed Emery to go, right, I, you know, we're saying in match, he's got to do something here because that can't go on. The, sh- the shape of that game cannot continue as it has been in the last uh, 15 minutes or so, or else we will concede because, because we're kind of inviting this on ourselves. We need to establish some kind of control and potentially there needs to be an adjustment there. And the adjustment was he took Kamara off, who, as well as being on a yellow card, I think had picked up a knock 
perhaps in the challenge that led to the yellow card, which was kind of early doors. He bought on Chambers for Kamara. Yeah, for Kamara, yeah. Whether it was an injury or not, I'm surprised maybe uh, Dendonka didn't go uh, first, but that perhaps shows you this is a bit more of a defensive move and maybe Dendonka's not 100%. And I thought Chambers had a, a decent game in it, and it, it did help defensively. He's, you're not losing that much in terms of you know being able to play the ball because he is reasonably tidy. He was, was 100% for his tackles. You know, five out of five for, for a defensive player is, is what you want. 50% in his pass completion. <laughs> well... Mm. <laughs> Maybe his role was go get get on, get him on there and break things up. That was the role. Let yeah. let Louise play. But yeah, I mean, we weren't under it as much as we were in that the back end of the first half. I didn't think. No, and I think, and then of course the, the second goal comes at the right time. Yeah, perfect timing. Just actually. just just when you'd expect Chelsea to really get up ahead of steam. We did say at half time in match club bits next goal wins. Mm-hmm. In the fact that if Chelsea scored early enough, they'd probably go on to win the game. But filler one, yeah. I think it'd be game set and match really. And John McGinn stepped up. Yeah, but it was it was a corner, and I seen Louise had a, had a new um, hand signal, which was the like the X. So I wondered what that was, but um, <laughs> that's the not that's the eh, eh, don't beat the first man. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it, there there must there must have been a planted because there was a player there at the near post to sort of keep it alive to get it back in yeah. the, the zone. I'm not sure whether it was to tee it up for a Ramsey shot. I don't think it was the, but then Ramsey was smart enough that he wasn't at the right angle to recycle that, that's it. That's the first thing you hear from the crowd, isn't it? Like, shoot! As soon as it goes to Ramsey, yeah. and then it goes to McGinn, and, we, and, and then we, it's shoot again. And he really shoots. It's a great finish. I mean, we've been we've been kind of starved of watching John McGinn hitting pot shots from around the penalty area. Of course, if we remember, season, back the, yeah, back to the days of the championship, he could really hit them from outside the box. Yeah, well, he even said, he even said himself that he'd been, he's been waiting to score and he's been hitting it too hard. So he thought in this and I'll just try and sort of like, sort of place it, but he whipped it. He and whips it, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, Kepa had no chance. I mean, they were trying to say, oh, should the keeper have done better? He, he had no hope yeah, at all. away from him, isn't yeah. that saving that? But that, that is a thing that, something that it's, it's, with Villa have let slip in the last season or so is, I mean, that's McGinn's first goal of the season, but you've got him. You've also got Louise. Louise, when he first came to the club, scored two crackers from outside of the box. And, oh, they were incredible goals. And, you know, he's chipped in with the odd goal here and there, you know, from close up and also from corners. But we should be seeing at least one a game, shouldn't we? I mean, shots <laughs> yeah. shots from around the, you know, the edge of the box that either, you know, tickle the keeper or hit the post or go close. It's like headers and volleys, isn't it? Spectaculars count double. So I'd like to see a bit more uh, from McGinn and, and Louise in terms of, uh, let's say, educated pot shots. Because mm-hmm. they've got it in them, haven't they? They really yeah, have yeah. them. McGinn, you, you fancy him anywhere around the box. You think, shoot, but he's never in the middle of the penalty area to hit the, hit the shot. You know, I remember when we first signed him, his highlight reel for Hibbs was just like, oh, wow, this is going to be great to watch. Yeah, And he always, obviously, because he generally drifts out to the right, so he's always cutting in. And then, well, you kind of knew it was over. Because this Chelsea team weren't, it's not like you're playing a good Chelsea team or a good any any team like Manchester United, they're, you know, they're number one culprits. And, you, and you're 2-0 up, but you're playing a good team and you know there's, these fuckers will probably come back, where, you, know, you know, in the case of United, pretty much every time. But this Chelsea team, you just thought, and looking at this Chelsea team, as we said at the start, shitting themselves in our own box, shitting themselves in, in their box as well. And you just thought they'd, they haven't got the minerals to pull this one off. They haven't got the talent. Nope. No, well, but, I mean, I'm going to say they've got the talent in terms of personnel, but they didn't. You know, I think weird. You know, you 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 go two 0 up, and then they bring on Kante. 
Yeah. Yeah. You think but then you, the thing was like Gallagher and Pulisic on the bench who didn't come on till sort of 10 minutes to go but I was going to say that when they brought Kante on a minute after going Villa going 2-0 up Kante was probably the best player for Chelsea on the pitch yeah. he, you know, he, he had a chance he, as well class act, isn't he? yeah he very good his lines completely didn't he but they were at arm's length I mean Kante you know did cause a few problems but you're glad that he's not actually a, you know an out and out forward player giving us problems mm-hmm. Mings had an incident which I mean when I saw it as it was happening I, you know I thought it came off his head I mean it, I think it came off his shoulder ultimately it was desperate really but I, I didn't see a problem there I mean I, I wasn't even waiting for that VAR decision I just thought yeah it's not a, there's no problem with that you know you never know nowadays but it was the, t- the time it took again I mean that was that's a 10 second view in that to just go no it's not a handball yeah, Move on. It, but it was what a couple of minutes at least yeah, it's ridiculous. And after that, all that was left was um, Martinez to see out his um, record-breaking clean sheet. Yeah, congrats, congratulations to him. We're, we're definitely in the, the realms now of stats for social media because it's the first time I've ever heard this stat being celebrated of how many clean sheets you've you've made in your first 100 Premier League appearances. I don't remember us celebrating Friedel getting 33. No. Am I being mean? No, well, n- no, I think there's a bit of, you're right, because it, it is a stat sort of built to, is it a stat to, to keep Emmy happy? Is it one of those sort yeah, of stats? Yeah, that's what I also, I also thought that as well. Yeah, because seeing Thomas Sorensen and Brad Guzan on the same graphic, I was thinking, like, hold on a minute, come on, it's, that's not company <laughs> on, you want to keep. Yeah, it's actually the greatest achievement in the world, beating Tommy Sorensen and uh, Guzan. Bosnick and Friedel had 33, didn't they, in the first 100 Premier League games? Yeah, but I think that the real one will be going after Bosnich's proper clean sheet record that he said he wants that's what i thought a record would be would be you know in total full stop but this one is definitely uh, it's like uh it's one to keep him happy and uh, it's one for the you know the social media coverage and likes and whatever yeah, it's all good but it's something i've as a fan of you know several decades i've never heard of uh, this record as anything really significant we weren't doing handstands oh my god brad friedel's equaled uh, mark bosnick's record there we weren't like match to match going can tommy Sorensen beat mark bosnick's 33 <laughs> clean sheet record well, we, were too, we were too busy trying to get ellis out weren't we at that point so uh, yeah, I take that one with a, with a pinch of salt. But yeah, he he, he had a good game, Mel, Martinez. He did. He made some good saves and very very dominant in the air, wasn't he as well? Good neighbour. Yeah. <laughs> Which remember mean, my neighbour is my client, I think. <laughs> I know he lives next door to you in the same house, but with two different entrances. Yep. All right. So all good there. We've already we jumped the gun really and talking about what this means uh, going forward but also uh, we've got a game coming up against Leicester which will be very close by the time you've listened to the show so let's talk about the big picture probably after Leicester Forest let's see if we've got the minerals to, mm. to back up our uh, glorious win at Stamford Bridge because Leicester have proven tricky already and this new ma- manager bounce I don't really buy into it when it's like 48 hours after the sacking no, I mean, obviously, we saw the thing, didn't we, with the, the Brentford game after Gerrard went, that they, they loosened up and, and played. But I think there's other things going on there because I've, I've always yeah. rated Rodgers as a manager, as a tacticianer and stuff. I think he's a very good, to use his own phrase, a technician. Yeah. Um, so you wonder what else is going on there. And carrying on from your point there, he worked out what we were doing and he took advantage of us learning to mm-hmm. play outside the back Emery style. Yeah. So I'm kind of glad he's not there and hopefully they forgot about what the, how they neutralised us last time. So we shall see. Obviously, you go into sort of Forest and the, the next week, sort of game week or full game week, and Brighton go to Tottenham, Brentford have Newcastle. There's a few games there again where if you keep winning, you're really making a dent. Yeah. Right. 
we look forward to the other games this week. Right now it's time for Media Muppets. Mr. Phil Shaw, what is in the trough? Pray tell. I was thinking of Unai Emery's laptop pic for the gram, you know, his, his Instagram pic of him on the laptop. But <laughs> I haven't seen that. Coach. I haven't seen that. Oh, stand, stand down, I'd be in my laptop as well on the long coach journey home from London, so I, I don't think there's really anything to be to be making off it there. Instead of that, I think we'll, we'll go back to the headline game with the Birmingham Mail, who have put this headline on Ashley Priest's roundup. So the headline is, What Unai Emery did to Ollie Watkins as Nazif Suarez Aston Villa dream becomes reality. So best suggestions, gents. What, what did Unai Emery do to Ollie Watkins? No, no never mind that. What's uh, Suarez's Aston Villa dream? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ooh, what did Emery do to Watkins? Tell him to get in the six-yard box? Well, that would have been a more sensible sort of thing. But uh, uh, Hold on, let me, let me guess uh, Suarez's Villa dream. A theme park at the ground, perhaps. Europe monorail, Europe. definitely a monorail. Europe. Anyway, carry on. Those, those are my these are my offerings. Anyway, well, the reality is it's a bit more simple than that. This has comes directly from the report. Watkins looked over at Emery, and Emery gave him a big thumbs up. So that's what that's what Emery did. The Ollie Watkins. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. As for Suarez's dream, it wasn't mentioned again, so I've no idea what his dream was. <laughs> it's, it's hardly Martin Luther King's. It's not as good as that dream, but come on, uh, give us something to go on. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm going to defend the writer by saying it's normally the sub-editors uh, that come up with these clickbait titles. So they read the article and then they bang on what they can get away with that's going to get them the most clicks. But it's meant to be related to the content. I think this is where the Birmingham Mail go wrong. They don't actually relate the headlines to the content. So by the time you click on it, you're reading this thing and you're going, well, that has absolutely nothing to do with why I clicked on this. That's how they get you. But I suppose I'm giving a bit of mitigation for the writers here because the Suarez's dream thing probably isn't even in the, the writer's mind when they when he writes the piece. Who knows? Who knows what's going on there? All right, any media nuggets to uh, balance the uh, the forces of evil? Well, there's a piece this week in The Guardian which was titled The Impossible Job, which has been done as a, as a defense of Premier League referees. So we all, we're all used to sort of these pieces that are telling us how hard a job it is to be a referee, even though they've got um, video evidence that lets them fix any of their human errors, but they don't bother yeah, using There's actually a documentary that's come out called In the Middle, which I keep getting invites to the screening of. I think it came out uh, March the 31st. It actually got a bit of press, mainstream press. And I think that's from the referee's point of view. I think it's more like uh, lower leagues, grassroots, and you know the passion of these refs that actually, you know, they do it almost just to, because they like doing it and they want to be involved and you know it's helping the, the sport etc etc but anyway carry on yeah well the nugget comes from within this piece and it's um in the form of the alleged villa fan andre mariner and it uses the example of mariner being told to leave the side of the pitch at his son's under nine game for mouthing off at the referee now so that's obviously the attitude Mariner has there. But then Mariner goes on to talk about the pressures of refereeing. And this is the, the quote from him. He goes, as if there's a 50-50 ball and you have to decide with one player shouting and one player not, who are you going to give it to? It, it's human nature, Mariner goes. So obviously he's going to side with the player that's doing the shouting and screaming to get the decision. So yeah. now we know why the top side surround officials and scream in their face. It, it obviously works. That's why Ashley Young does it. 
yeah, we just need to we need to clone Ashley Young a few times. <laughs> or you could say, well, I'm going with a silent majority here, so I'm giving it against <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Before we go on, a big shout out to everybody that joined us for uh, the Chelsea game in Match Club. And uh, actually, back-to-back live Match Clubs. The next one's obviously Tuesday night for Leicester, so hopefully we will see all the My Old Man Said members there. If you're not already a My Old Man Said member, as well as getting uh, access to Match Club, which is 24-7, but we do meet up live for uh, away games and then sometimes impromptu mom's pub chats. You also get access to extra shows and ad-free shows as well. So if you don't like betting ads, if you don't like any kind of ads, you don't get any. They're completely wiped out. By the way, I saw a couple of people on Twitter complaining about betting ads. I've I've always said I don't do betting sponsorship, which is basically sponsors where you read out their stuff because I'm you know I don't want to ram betting down people's throats. But I'm not you know against the choice of betting. And of course, in football, in any sport, you have betting ads in your, on websites, on podcasts, on media, on TV, whatever. It's part of the uh, part of the parcel. So I'm not like some kind of uh, anti-choice anti-betting person but I, I i don't want betting sponsorship and i've turned quite a lot down you know for podcasts each to their own take them on so uh, that's the stance but anyway if you're a mindset member you, you don't get any ads anyway so problem solved so i just want to give uh, an additional thanks to uh, the members who uh, signed up in the last week or so brenton peter lockley sam loins michael cox james Tozer and also Richard Wraithby. So massive thank you for all of those guys that signed up. Also, if you want to sign up uh, and save yourself 10%, which is just over a month's free, you can do so by signing up annually as well. So please do go to myomansaid.com and click on the membership link for more details there. Finally, now, remember when I pointed out these... Uh, People had been doing form under Emery from the 6th of November, uh, Emery's first game, when it should have been the 1st of November when he actually took over. Because if you go by the 6th, you actually miss out. That was a Sunday, you miss out the Saturday games. Well, from the 1st of November, the day he took over, Villa are now, in results since that day, actually third in the Premier League. So we are now top four, as are Brentford. Speaking of Emery, David... What's an Emery's clipboard this week? Ah, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Right, Emery's clipboard. Simple one for that. This should be uh, short, sharp. I'm looking for a killer blow, like the kind that Anthony Joshua failed to deliver <laughs> on Saturday night against uh, Mr. Franklin. Eh, he's not the same beast, old Joshua. Um, there's something weird about him. He does these weird things after the bell. Uh, sorry, after the after the fights, and I don't know. It's like he's starting from scratch again. He, he, you know. Anyway, that's his problem, right? You should get this one fairly swiftly because I've mentioned it recently, and uh, there's only been a few games since then. So, in terms of the running. I think a few weeks ago, Villa actually had one of the hardest run-ins left. It's uh, softened a little bit. Now, the way you can judge how tough in terms of the run-in analysis uh, is, is you take the opponent's current PPG, which is points per game values. So how many points per games they have been averaging this season so far? And uh, you will get a tally 
So I want to know, basically, simply, what is the remaining opponents of Aston Villa's points per game average? Now, the team with the highest, most difficult run-in is Nottingham Forest. And they're... And I think it does PPG in terms of home and away games, so it kind of works it all out. So it's you know it's kind of reasonably scientific. Now the highest PPG of remaining opponents of of the remaining fixtures, home and away, is is Nottingham Forest on one point six four. Tough times ahead for Forest. Now the team with the easiest run in is oh is the Wise Owl, Roy Hodgson's one point zero one. Or his remaining opponents. There is something a bit nasty about that Patrick Vieira sacking. He played all the hard games, and now Roy swoops in the wise old owl and wins his first. And one. now has an easy one point zero one, which is the easiest uh, running. So, okay. uh, what's Aston Villa's? What's Villa's remaining opponents points per game value? And I want uh, points and then two decimal points. One point. What was the highest again? Sorry, it was. Forest with 1.64, and then you've got Palace at 1.01. Villas, I'm going to go 1.53. 1.53 for Monsieur Bud. Phil Shaw. I will go 1.47. 1.47. I can give you a clue if you want, and the clue is the next four opponents of Aston Villa, the next four games, have a points per game of 1.23. So if you kind of roughly know how Villa's uh, fixtures is going, yeah, that kind of gives you some kind of clue. Phil, Phil Bud, <laughs> one point, <laughs> Chris Bud, three nine, one point three nine. He's drastically slashed it down. I feel sure, but he's not there. One point four three, one point four three from your man Shaw. Right, I've got a final, final clue. Villa's played opponents so far this season's points per game is 1.34 and it's higher than that Chris Bud's final chance to seize glory 1.37 goes lower again 1.37 Phil Shaw also going lower takes up the hockey 1.41 1.41 goes lower again the winner is well, let me tell you the remaining opponents of Aston Villa. It's 1.49. Oh, wow. So Phil Shaw with 1.47 takes the ginormous bronze statue. <laughs> ah, the statue of Graham Potter's spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, it's always it's kind of interesting. I think uh, we were, we had like the third hardest total running, but our next four games, this is going back a couple of weeks, where I think only Fulham had the easiest uh, option. So at least we followed that up and, and actually beat Chelsea, which actually on paper it looked more difficult than it did in terms of PPG because obviously Chelsea, you don't know what you're going to get there. And they're obviously a team with gravitas. If you want to know the title race, Arsenal have actually got the second hardest running of all teams. 1.58, while Manchester City is 1.26. So City quite you know a bit softer, so... That title race isn't done and dusted yet. Eight points, City a game in hand, but with a softer finish. Right, gents, games come thick and fast, so we better get off, go into recovery, and get ready for the next three points. Until then, until they come, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.